Hey everybody, welcome to Surface Level, a show that takes a look at society's expectations and rejects the ones we don't see it for, all from the perspective of three Black queer best friends. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan, and today, Damon, Tony, and I are discussing our experience being Black at work. Do we feel pressure to represent the ideal Black person at work? What things could we be doing to make being Black at work less rare? This is The Magical Negro is Out of Office. The Magical Negro is Out of Office. All right, so before we get into our normal icebreaker, uh, we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to talk a lot of it about (laughs) corporate America and our experiences in it, but I thought it might be helpful to the listeners to understand what we all do professionally. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with Devon. Um, He's in retail merchandising, and he decides which clothes should be sold in store and online. Not what I did. That's not what you did? I'm in the top 3% of OnlyFans performance. Oh, you were the top 3% of OnlyFans performance? I've been moonlighting. Oh, wow. All right. You know what? OnlyFans is definitely where it's at these days, so. Well, we're dropping the link in the bio, so check that out. Rate, review, and subscribe. Um, Tony is in brand marketing, and he decides how to creatively attract viewers to Nickelodeon and increase TV ratings. Did I get that right? You got it right. I'm not moonlighting as a, <laughs> a freak Twitter. You don't have a, you don't have a foot fetish? No, no, but I, you know what? It's not, I'm not above it, and it's not above me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and lastly, I'm in business marketing, and I decide how to creatively attract advertisers to Nickelodeon and increase revenue. Cool? So I figured the context might be helpful yeah. For, yeah. for listeners. For sure. Now, for our game, you know how much I love this or that segments. So we're going to do a little bit of this or that. I'm going to give you some scenarios, some common scenarios in the workplace, and you're going to let me know how you would handle them. Mm. All right. Scenario number one. You're having a hard time collaborating with a peer at work. Peer is the key word. Mm-hmm. Not a you know, subordinate, not a um, superior. Mm-hmm. A peer at work. And the person sends an email with your manager copy in an effort to escalate their dissatisfaction with the situation. Mm-hmm. Do you a respond to the email by removing your manager and politely letting them know that you don't need the manager to be involved, mm-hmm. or b confront the peer and express your disapproval for their email? Tony, you see the way I'm set up. I'm gonna march on over to their desk <laughs> because that's when you know. I think people have. What do they call it? Like Twitter fingers or whatever, where it's like mm-hmm. you have this courage when you're typing these things in these emails mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I'm going to come over and look at you in your eyes and basically tell you you ain't shit. <laughs> uh, so that would be my method. You know, I think that's always the best. Hit things on head first and approach it directly. And I, I think once you have that conversation, you, you usually find it never happens again. Mm-hmm. Mom, what about you? What do you think? I shy away from confrontation. Oh, child. Says Says today. I'm running right up on you. Um, (laughs) It's just like, you press send, I'm going to appear like a genie. (laughs) And it's not that I'm like being wild or reckless with people in the workplace, but I'm going to talk to you directly. We are peers. We are working on something together. And to keep the collaborative spirit alive, we need to figure out how to also fix the things that aren't working together. Right. So, so don't try to embarrass me. Right. By TC everybody. My manager. Because if 
in most cases, I've had this type of relationship with my manager. Right? Well, I walk up to that manager, but like, ignore that email. I'm going to deal with it. Don't worry. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's what I should be doing. Exactly. Dealing with. Hello. What about you, Jordan? Right. I'm. I'm definitely having a conversation with my manager about this email because <laughs> Karen. What? No, seriously. I'm definitely. I'm definitely letting Amy my manager know. Like, Cooper. I need my manager to know that this person is being unreasonable, and I need them to understand my perspective. So you manage I'm, us. So I'm letting my manager know what's what's really going on. I'm removing them from the email, and I'm treading lightly with that co- that colleague moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's noted. It's, it's noted. Um, mm-hmm. The first offense, I may not bring it up to you. Um, the second or third, we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's probably going to be moderated. It's a coffee chat. Won't be no second or third. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Um, you're new to a team, and a teammate who you suspect to be nosy asks if they can follow you on Instagram. Mm. There's three options for this one. Oh. Do you reluctantly let them follow you? B, make an excuse of why you can't follow each other. Or C, do you lie and say you don't have Instagram? Demon. They can follow me. I don't have my Instagram open. And the person I am at work is mostly the same human I am on the internet. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, I think for me, I... I usually let people follow me on social media that work with me if they if they want to. Where I did have to unsubscribe someone from my Instagram before was a case where I wasn't in the office and they brought up to our boss or to other team members like, oh, Tommy was yada yada yada, like running her mouth about what I was doing while I wasn't at work. And I was like, you're canceled. <laughs> and then when she noticed that she no longer had access to my page, she asked me about it. And I was giving, yeah, girl, uh-uh. Like, I don't, I'm not, if we're going to follow each other, it's, you got to keep it separate. And if you can't be someone who can keep your mouth shut, mm. then you don't need to be following my page if you can't be an adult. So that's, that's how I handle that. What about you, George? So I'm reluctantly giving my Instagram to that person. I just can't really bring myself to say no in a work mm-hmm. situation for something like that. But if I do think this is a nosy person that's not going to have my best interest at heart, knowing what I'm doing on the weekends and after work, I just put them on limited profiles. So mm-hmm. I like I don't give them access to my stories. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. It's a very good tool. You should def- A lot of people aren't able to see my stories. Well, I'm going to investigate that. Yeah. Because the stories is where it really goes down. You know, like, the timeline is just kind of like, here's a cute photo. Right. The stories is just like, okay, Jordan's being a little bit ratchet this weekend. Mm-hmm. But, um... And there are people who are precious about, like, oh, you can't follow me, but I think that's a good solve mm-hmm. if you want to allow someone to follow you and just put some guardrails right. on it. Yeah. And last scenario. So, this one is a little titillating. Um, titillating. Titillating. Mm-hmm. Um... You report into a manager who is unreasonably rude with you. And you learn that many other colleagues believe your manager creates a toxic work environment. Is your first step to A, address the issue directly with your manager with hopes of finding common ground, or B, report the incident to HR, or the incidents to HR? Hmm. I'd say A. Why do you think A, Well, I... 
and pay for is addressing the issue directly with the manager. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I can always address something with, especially if, if my manager and we have to develop that relationship because nine times out of ten, um, the person will still work there. So mm -hmm. I think that the first step for me is always to figure out how we can work together. Mm -hmm. And the first step is for you to understand why things you have said and done may make me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that you get a shot to for us to try and figure it out. And like I've worked with someone who everyone else thought was nuts, but we figured out how to make it work for us. Mm -hmm. And it was because I'm just like, hey, this is how I work. This is how you work. Um, what are we going to do to figure it out? Right. Help me help you. Help, exactly. I'm just like, I'm just here to do my job, click my check, go home. And part of that is supporting you. So what are the things you need and what are the things I need to be my best self? Right. And it will be business yeah. only. You're and not having small. Right. Problems. And there was a level of respect between us and, and it was fine. Okay. Tony? Well, I actually had to deal with this at one of my jobs where I had to... You know, it's, it's interesting. I was reporting into a black woman and I was young in my career and I felt that she felt she could talk to me any kind of way. I know as black people, when we come into these majority white spaces, we hold each other to a higher standard and we know that we have to do twice as much to get half as far or just to be on the same footing with our white peers. And I felt like she took that a little overboard with some of the ways that she spoke to me, mm. which it lacked a little a level of professionalism, which I was like, okay, be hard on me, like mold me, but mm -hmm. don't talk to me like I'm your child. Right. And that's how I felt. And I went to her office and it was one of those moments where I had to get up and close the door and give, so look, <laughs> this is how I'm feeling. This is how you're making me feel. Like I don't even want to come in your office because of how you talk to me. Mm -hmm. And when we had that, she was she was kind of shocked and a little she felt bad and a little sad that I was feeling that way. But I think when you have those real conversations, it they're necessary and it allows you guys to get on uh, some sort of yeah. a middle ground mm -hmm. moving forward. Equal. Yeah. What about you, Jordan? I'm going to HR. <laughs> so um, I too have been in. Um, professional experiences where I reported into someone who was, and when I say unreasonably rude, I mean just like, this is not like holding you to a high standard and being hard on you. This is just like creating a toxic work environment where your self-esteem is becoming like shattered because you're working with this person. Um, mm. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned in the past is that um, people like that are typically egomaniacs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they do not respond well to that type of criticism. Mm -hmm. So one of my biggest mistakes in the past was trying to deal with one of those people head on. And instead of getting the resolution, I got a pink slip Ooh. to leave, like to not be at the, the job anymore. So I learned the power of documenting everything. Yes. HR will tell you that they cannot help you if there is no paper trail. Right. So if you're ever in a position where you feel like you know you're you're passing the threshold of professionalism, mm -hmm. and you feel like your mental health is compromised, or you just feel like you're being spoken to in a way that's completely unreasonable, I think HR needs to be involved mm -hmm. because that's your first line of defense and protection. One hundred percent. So, 
Yeah. No, that's good. That's sound advice for anyone out there who might be dealing with some crazy times. Yeah. Some people have been crazy for decades, and, no <laughs> way, and you can't stop them. Well, so, time's um, up. Right. Speaking of time's up, how many? So we've worked um, in New York most for about nine years. Um, how many black people have you guys interacted with on your teams and the places you've been? Uh, tell me, maybe starting with you. Uh, very few, very few and far in between. And I often find that the black people that I do interact with are only within a certain level in the organization. Mm. What calls me about the work environment and about being in, doing the type of work that we do is I draw a parallel where I don't see black men above a certain level and rarely black women. Um, and so I think that's part of what I want to do is be the change I wish to see because there's just not a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with that because I want to talk to people who look like me and how did you get to where you've gotten. I can talk to someone who's white or other and get some advice from them, but it's they, their experience to getting to where, got, where they've gotten is not going to be the same if I as if I talk to a black man or a black woman. Mm-hmm. So, not many. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jordan? I think, so in my most recent um, experience, I probably regularly work with two black people. Mm-hmm. Um, out, just to give you context, out of maybe, let's just say 15 people that I regularly collaborate mm-hmm. with, probably like two. And they're both super dope. And like on it and like great like professional like collaborators but it's very rare mm-hmm. yeah i've had yeah. like one direct co-worker on a team in the nine years of work really one wow well you, like, you, like, you work in, uh, in the fashion <laughs> and it's just like it's filled with so many people who don't look like me so many people whose backgrounds are quite different um and it's unfortunate because so much of black culture influences the industry that I work in. Like there have been times where like if I'm interviewing for a position, like I won't go through an interview process without um, meeting a diverse group of candidates. Mm -hmm. Because I think that what we do in fashion is also cultural. Mm -hmm. You if you if we have discussions about like urban markets and what people in those markets like oh, how is right. it that we can have a discussion about urban markets and what they like and no one from said market is there okay why no is it that i can interview 30 people for a, an assistant role or foot in, just to get the foot in the door as an assistant or an associate right. and the only time i've interviewed black and brown people is me bringing them in through my network and submitting resumes to hr and saying bring these people into me ain't because that, i think they're qualified ain't that about a bitch <laughs> yeah. I'm the first black woman to hairline coach up. <laughs> Ain't that about a bitch? <laughs> and I think it, it's tough, especially you're typically the only one or one of few. Yeah. Um, and do you guys feel some pressure to represent this ideal, magical Negro who is always happy and makes everyone comfortable? And, and, and what, what's been your experience? Maybe, Jordan, we can start with you this time. Um, I just think in general, um, when I'm around people, I typically try to like make a good impression, but I do feel like it's amplified in corporate situations. Yeah. I think that um, 
you know, I, I think of my career and like, what, what steps do I need to do in order to meet my goals to be successful mm-hmm. in this industry? And I think that the reality of a lot of these workspaces is that not only are they predominantly white, but there's a lot of people or a lot of white people that are in these organizations that don't really have exposure mm-hmm. to, to black people outside right. of the corporate space. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when that happens where, you know, your only your only interactions with black people is in like, you know, service and like service workers, like when you're going out to eat or like me, mm-hmm. when you're in a meeting with me, I feel like that creates more opportunity for like negative stereotypes to sneak in. Because you don't really have a point of reference, you know? Like, mm-hmm. So I think it's easier to subscribe to certain negative stereotypes around black professionals, such as you know us being lazy or being less strategic okay. or being less articulate and not being able to present and command right. attention in a room. Um, so I, feel, I do feel the pressure to be sort of like the shining star, if you, mm-hmm. if you, if, you know, to, to be able to combat those negative stereotypes and hopefully make it easier for other black people that come behind us mm-hmm. because those people that we're trying to shift these perceptions of they have an incredible amount of power and influence in the industry mm-hmm. like sometimes they make or break someone's chance of being hired so mm-hmm. i think that yeah i feel that pressure for sure yeah i i think there is a pressure because it's, to me it's like well what is that ideal black person i i don't know if that's necessarily me. Like I, I'm gay. I think that helps me out um, because I think it's easier for me to make relationships with a lot of women, both black and white. Um, I, I'm a little bit more, I guess, less uh, intimidating because I am gay, and what I do feel like sometimes I have to go in and represent my my entire race, like for. Right. Up until a few months ago, I was the only black person on my team. Um, and that's not, that's been a recurring story for me in my career. And I feel like I am, we're in a time where things feel a little bit more progressive, but no, we're still pioneers. We're still first. We're still the only one in the room a lot of these times. Mm-hmm. And it's still mind boggling to me that that's the case. And I am not the person, I'm, usually not been the person that sits around and examines that, but now I've become more of the person of, like, where are the black people? Right. And I've raised my voice and said, uh, Does anyone, is anyone else seeing this? Are we living in an alternate universe? Like, what's going on? And so I do feel that I need to, you know, put on that face and represent mm-hmm. who black men are. I can't represent black women, but, uh, well, I can to an extent. You know, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I I do think that there is that pressure on us, and even if we we can lean into it or we can say "fuck you," you know, I'm not going to live up to this person that you have me here as your like token black. So, mm-hmm. what do you think, Demond? I think my outlooks kind of changed over time. I would say. For a very long time, I have felt the need, still feel the need at times to represent the race because I know I'm the only person there, and my performance is <clears throat> is um informing a lot of people's opinions and thoughts about what we can be. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm now in a place where I'm trying not to define how 
I act as a black professional from through the white gaze. Mm-hmm. With a Z, not the white gaze. <laughs> like guys? Guys. Not not the guys, gaze. the gaze. It's like white people viewing me. Okay, gotcha. And what they're, how they process me. I thought a lot about um, how we often don't bring our full selves to work. Mm-hmm. And how we often will feel like, okay, I have some things going on at home, but that's home. And I can't bring it in. And I remember um, there was a very specific moment last summer where I was dealing with some issues with a coworker, And I was in my concerns and speaking to kind of my co-managers and managing up. The, the feedback was that, well, this person has X, Y, and Z going on with their family. They have X, Y, and Z going on in their personal life. And I remember thinking... That's ironic. I have the exact same things happening. Right. And I think in that moment, like, I felt very proud in my being, oh, well, I have these things going on, but I still come to work and I perform every right. day. It doesn't matter. Nothing, nothing grinds my gears more than someone telling me what someone else has going on. Right. We all have things going Exactly. On. But I think, too, it made me, as I thought more about it, give myself more leeway to, to be a full human. I think we, we work so hard to be like, well, it doesn't matter that, like at that point it was me feeling, finding out about my, my dad being sick and my relationship ending and I don't want to carry that to work. But it's like, those are traumatic experiences in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeding into the idea that I have to go and continue to pretend that they're not happening for eight hours every day just so that I can make sure that I'm the most ideal person to represent millions of people who you all will never meet. Right, and that well, you is have to a be level, this robot. Yeah, and that's a level of pressure that's exhausting. Absolutely. And I think that we, as professionals, need to give ourselves just a bit, a bit more space. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to work crying about all oh, woe is me. That's, that's, that's not my vibe, and maybe it's someone else's. But mm, I don't want to hear it. I, I, yeah, I, I just think tell that it, tell a friend. <laughs> but even in in thinking about censoring our blackness and and our experiences, do you? Do you feel the need to assimilate sometimes or, or kind of like tweak your actual experiences to fit in a bit more? Uh, tell me, maybe we start there. It's a little yes and no for me. Do I think assimilation is something that I uh, approve or lean into when it comes to like, you should do this, you need to be like, if they're golfing, you need to be going golfing. If they're doing like, that's not my, I don't know, I, that's not my mantra. I don't think you should leave any parts of you at the door. I don't think you should have to change who you are and become something else in order to advance and fit in. Uh, but I do understand that what I always hear, you know, you, you're going through your career and you don't get a job and you're getting denied, 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 and it's like, oh, you just weren't the right fit or whatever. Now I kind of understand what that means for a certain team. They're, they're mm-hmm. talking about that dynamic on their team, but then also I think the right fit for some of these places is like they want someone who looks like them, who, who like is that. just like them, and that's not fair, but life isn't fair, right? Uh, but I think that sometimes it does help you advance your career if you're able to be a chameleon and have people think that you like certain things or you move, you move a certain way when you really don't. And that is horrible that I, I don't like how that feels. Mm-hmm. 
for me or for anyone else. I don't want anyone to have to do that, but I understand that sometimes in order to advance and you want to be strategic and play the game, then you're going to play the game. It's politics. What do you think, Jordan? A hundred percent, yes. Like, and I don't always say, like, hardcore yes, but I do believe that it's necessary to assimilate in the corporate culture. I, like, we all work in creative industries, right? Mm-hmm. I think the one thing they, they don't tell you about what it requires to be successful in our industry is that it's not really just about merit. It's not about being able to produce a good idea. Rather, it's the ability to produce or persuade people and influence people to believe in your idea and support your idea. And I think a key aspect of that is being able to connect with people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think relationships, that right? relationships are paramount in our industries. Like mm-hmm. we don't work in technical in- industries. We don't, we're not, you know, chemists right. who are going in. The answer is yes or the answer is no. Right. Like a lot of what we do for a living is a point of view. It's, a, it's subjective. It's subjective. And your job is to be able to communicate, to persuade, to influence. And all of that is, you know, soft essential skills. Being a, a, like a, a mini politician. Basically, you're you're basically being a politician for yourself, and you're campaigning for yourself throughout the duration of your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that requires reading the room. I think that requires positioning yourself strategically to establish um, relationships with colleagues, mm-hmm. um, personal ones too. Like it, I think that. You can only get so far when you just have a strong working relationship with people. I think that, in my experience, the people who I've been able to really get a lot of support from were people that I was able to connect with outside of the day-to-day work. I know that's right. Um, and people just typically gravitate to people to other people who share commonalities. Mm-hmm. So to your point, Tony, like I'm not saying that you need to like fake having certain interests to be able to establish relationships, but I think that it's I think that amplifying the things about you that are going to play well in a group um, is going to be helpful. Like, I'm, I think of my career as a very, like, this is my job. You know what I mean? Like, I don't invest that much of, like, my being into it. This is my way to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was no check involved, I would not be going to work. So, for me, it's just, like, how am I able to develop my skills, develop my relationships, and keep growing at a consistent pace. And I think in order to do that, yeah, I feel like we need to assimilate and we need to read the room and figure out how to adjust and pivot. Mm-hmm. What about you, Demana? I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that for a place in which I typically spend more of my wake, have, have spent more of my waking hours in a day that it is important for me to live in it and it is not just like yes part of it is collecting a check but part of it is also this is a part of my being and a part of my life and a part of my story and i think that it is not on black people or other minority groups to feel like we have to blend in to what the majority believes is acceptable and is intriguing and makes people comfortable with accepting you to get far. I think that you can gain um, leverage, you can gain a voice, you can gain intrigue um, with people without always just focusing on making them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think my, my I, I'm not, and, and you can do it in a way that's not making you someone that they hate. Like for mm-hmm. instance, 
whenever someone's like, oh my god, we all love friends. And I'm like, I don't really watch that. How about living single? You all like that? Right. Like, it's, it's a thing where, like, they go, oh, huh, huh, what's that? Right. But it's still me bringing myself to work. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not going to go watch Rachel and Ross and all those folks I don't care about <laughs> just because, like, it can make this coffee table conversation a touch easier. Right. What I think is the more interesting conversation is to expose my culture and my difference to people because I think that we get further when you lean into the difference, especially in creative industries. Like the, the, the point of having me or having other black people or brown people or whatever the dyna- dynamic is, is to have people in the environment that are, are unique and that don't just have the thing and who aren't just going along to get along and saying what they are. Because then why am I, what makes me different from having a sixth person from the suburbs of Connecticut on the team. Right. And I love that because it's challenging the status quo. Yeah. And not just sitting around and going with what's always been done, which always is what you guys know, because you all look the same, you come from the the same same place, you had the same experience, and here I come with a different idea and perspective. And I think every... Do you think that that just like, no, you should absolutely never assimilate in in a corporate culture? No. So if you came into a company and they are a very email-centric company, that's how they choose to communicate. That's just sort of like the structure and the culture I'm of the company. I'm talking about culture, like personal corporate, I mean, like okay, my well, cultural assimilation. Well, let's, yeah, well, let's caveat that then. Because that's that's I, what I was that, talking about. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Because like when I'm talking about assimilating, I'm talking about like just in general, like you just going against what you're natural organic preference is to be able to communicate yourself, be yourself, to be able to be more successful in a work environment. I think I just across I, the board. I, I, I but sometimes I don't question. agree with that because <laughs> I like to go in and say like we all communicate differently. If that's how you, you communicate more in email and I communicate more verbally, I need to be able to speak up and I need to be able to be empowered to do so and yeah. let you know this is how I learned. If you want me to be my best, I need to let you know that this is how I'm my best. And we need to find some middle ground because it can't just all be this, this is because how it's this is how been. right. That's not a two way street. So if and then boss, maybe that's not the place I need to work. That was the next question. So if your boss is an email person and you're a talker and you communicate that and they still want to do email, what are you doing? Are you assimilating or are you leaving? I need to leave. I need to find yeah. somewhere else. I'm not begging for person. Okay. Yeah. I can figure out how to get a new job. It's just a job. To me, it's not a big deal. Like I think that I can make the sacrifice to do things differently to be able to coexist with other people and their norms especially if you're especially if it's a superior like i'm willing to change or adjust the way that i work i think a big part of being successful in corporate america is being able to work with different people and sort of like change your approach depending on who you're working with like, there's certain people who love to talk, and it's just like, I talk with them because I get the best work out of them. There's certain people that only want to do emails that don't want to talk, and I do the emails because I get the best work out of them. So, I mean, I don't know. I just don't think that it's like a deal breaker for me to do something that I don't want to do at work. It's work. Right. I don't look at it as a deal it's breaker. Not a it's a job. I would say you have that same thought process in, like, all areas of your life, though. Like, it's yeah. not a work... That's like that's not a a work theme. It's a you. That's how you interact with people. Like you interact with people to make them feel most comfortable. 
And I would say that it's not specific to this conversation. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let my answer with, like, this is how I sort of am. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I just think that. Okay. So what do we think? We've kind of talked about the experiences we've had, being the only one or one of the few. Um, what are some things that we think we can do to make kind of being black at work in, at least the spaces that we are in, um, mm -hmm. a bit less rare? So I'll start. I believe that we are, we all sit in unique seats where we are one of very few mm -hmm. black people in a corporate setting. And I believe that it is our responsibility to use the seat at the table that we have to occupy those spaces where our voices should be heard, but rarely are. I believe we need to be elevating Black thought, Black voices, a different perspective that's not in the room. It's not represented in the room unless we're in it a lot of the time. I think we need to assume the position and assume the position unapologetically. Mm -hmm. You know, I, this is where I kind of lean into more so I get my demand hat on. <laughs> I'm like, I am really adamant about that. That's, that really fuels me and burns a fire within it, ignites me. Um, for example, you know, when we talk about being black at work and being less rare, that I noticed at my current job last summer or maybe two summers ago where there was an intern presentation across the organization and out of maybe 20, 25 to 30 interns, there wasn't a single black intern. And I, this is when I'm, I'm going back to my point earlier where I was sitting there and I'm not usually like that person that's like, wait, where are the black people? But I've, I've become more of that person and leaned more into that space where I left that room and I immediately talked to one of my black colleagues who's one of my closest friends. And I was like, did you, did you see what I saw? And she knew exactly what I was talking about. And we both raised our voices together and decided that we needed to be involved in the internship, the intern selection for our specific team the next go around. So we went back, we talked to our teams, and we were both involved and making sure that there was a diverse pool of candidates to choose from. And as fate would have it, the next two interns that came in on her team and mine were a black young woman and a black young man. And it came down to me speaking up in the room with the decision makers on which intern we were gonna hire, where it was the black kid and a white kid side by side, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to speak up right now, and I'm going to let you know that as a black man, we don't have these opportunities. We're not afforded these opportunities, and I'm going to let you guys know that we need to choose him. And they all were on board with that, and I appreciated it. And he came in, and he was phenomenal, and he executed the job, and they loved him. So I want to know what your experience was, Jordan. Um, what do you think? So to make being black less rare... In corporate mm -hmm. America, right? So I have like this all-time favorite boss and mentor. You guys know her, mm -hmm. mother. Yes. Love her, <laughs> obsessed with her. Um, but she always had this saying that she's always told me, which is to pay it forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that 
you know, our industries are so saturated with nepotism. Like, Ooh. how many people do we know who got a job because a family member made a phone call mm-hmm. or because a family member was friends with a decision maker or a stakeholder at the company? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was there. That like, was it. That right. was it. That, you know what it I mean? It made you feel like you have to choose that person. Or right. Else. Like, this is my, this is my, you know, daughter or son, right. and this is my friend who's the CEO of this company, so I'm going to send an email, mm-hmm. or I'm just going to invite them over for dinner, mm-hmm. and then this is where you're going to work. And I think that as one thing that we all have in common is that we're all sort of like, I don't know if this is the right term, but like first-generation corporate American professionals. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have the support system of like, you know, parents who have deep corporate relationships and mm-hmm. a, a network that they can reach out to on our behalf mm-hmm. for us to get jobs. And I think that it's important for us to sort of take on that role for the younger black professionals that come after us. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of times the deciding factor between getting a job offer and being rejected from a job is you know. who you know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that it's our responsibility to take as many meetings, mm-hmm. phone calls, coffees with young professionals and peers because there's people who are in the same level and stage of their career that could also benefit from having a broader or wider network. Yeah. And I think that we need to do our job of strongly recommending those people within our organizations, like Tony, like you said, like speaking up in the meeting, mm-hmm. making the business case for why these people need to be here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the business case is, hey, a, a, a key strategy for 2020 is that we're trying to appeal to the African-American audience. Right. Like, how are we doing that if we don't have black people right. on the staff? I specifically remember right. talking to you about this, Jordan, and yeah. you were like, you go back and say these things and let them know, like, you're trying to, multicultural marketing is important and you want this mm-hmm. audience you don't have anyone here that looks like that. You don't have anybody with the cultural fluency right. in this organization to right. be able to speak to this audience in a way that feels organic. Yeah. What are you doing about that? You can't Google our culture. <laughs> oh. Come on. Okay. Ooh, that, ooh. ooh, maybe put that on the shirt. I was like, put that, mm. put that on the shirt. You can't, <laughs> you can't Google our culture. Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't say anything quite different what you guys have said, I would say that for people in our own communities, pay it forward, as Jordan said, because we don't have to be the only one anymore. I think for a long so time, the only people too. felt like, oh, well, I'm the only one, so therefore even, I can't let anybody else in here. And it's right. just like, that's terrible. break down I, the door, open up the floodgates, because the thing is, we, we talk about the, the black people or the, the other minorities we work with and so on, these are some of the most talented, deeply qualified like, people. And we, we, a lot of times, are like, well, that, were you like a, a diversity hire or an affirmative action hire? It's just oh like, no, 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 no. If, if you all in your hundreds and thousands of organization um, structure have hired that only one black person, that is the fucking smartest, most talented, the most hardworking person you could have fucking found. Right. You know what Hoops they had to jump through that to even be that person to be considered. When you're that one in the room, you you you. It's you, not by mistake. You snatched right. wings, <laughs> right? And like even <laughs> the three of us have navigated our careers quite differently, but it's just like maybe we got there. Yeah. And I guarantee you, it is not because of any type of nepotism, because somebody liked me so much, because I played golf in Connecticut. <laughs> Okay. I know that's right. My mom is giving. Why are you making you work so late? Don't you want to quit? I'm like, 
Nah, man, it, it, don't, it don't work like that. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work with these people and make this reputation Ooh. pop off. <laughs> all right, um, that's all the time we have this week. Uh, let's keep the conversation going, though. Uh, let us know your thoughts and questions at surfacelevelpodcast.com. And if you've enjoyed this discussion, please rate, review, and subscribe. And you can stay updated by following us on Instagram and YouTube at Surface Level Podcast. And remember, stay curious.